0: Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3 This is a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk. Today's show will feature interviews with actor and producer Ryan Quinn and U.S. Olympic skeleton racer Katie Ulin. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American
1: Family Radio. Faith, family, and sports. Of course, if you want to be a team member of Sold Out Youth Ministries, our organization that helps kids stay away from drugs and alcohol and teaches them leadership skills, biblical principles, you can go to our official website at soldouttv.com. That's soldouttv.com, and uh, be a part of that. Donate there. This man's very talented actor producer, Ryan O'Quinn, with us right here on Sold Out Sports Talk. Ryan, how are you? I am great, Roman. Thank you so much. You started out uh, doing Beverly Hills 90210 and Alias, Melrose Place, Third Rock from the Sun. And one of my favorite movies that's one of the most underrated movies ever, That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks, that was such a cool movie.
2: Uh, That was a great – in fact, I'm staring at a poster of it right now uh, on the wall in my office. And, yeah, that was one of my – I think it was the first movie I did when I came to Los Angeles. And, of course, you know, being a a young – novice actor and not really understanding how it works like a rookie in every sense of the word i was i was frustrated when i went to set because it took them you know 12 or 14 hours to get to me. not to mention the fact that i was directed by a two-time academy award-winning actor so <laughs> you know it, i often compare it to that that moment on uh on saturday night live i think it was chris Farley who used to do this character where he you know he's an interviewer and he's sitting across from from a, a great host and he just is that an awful word that uh, at the end of the day, I shot this, this little scene. It was the very last setup of the day, and uh, and we were walking back to base camp, which was about 200 yards from where we were shooting in, in Leo Carrillo State Beach, just north of Malibu, California. And I just had that moment where it was just me and Tom. I feel like I can call him Tom now, right? It was just me <laughs> and Tom, and the and the first AD, and the script supervisor, and uh, a prop gal, and uh, the DP, and that was it. And am walking back to base camp, and I just had that moment of, "I've got to say something. I've got to say something. How? What? How what do I say How do I talk to Tom Hanks?" And so I just said, "I loved you in
1: Philadelphia."
2: I, just had, I had nothing else, <laughs> no, nowhere to go. I, from there. I know where I you're like, coming from.
1: I've Remember been in some of those.
2: Gump? You were awesome. <laughs> That's all I, I got out. I'm you sure.
1: always you. I did the same thing with sports. And what's interesting about you, Ryan, is 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 you know th- there are very few guys out there. That go from stand-up comedy opportunity like you have, and and of course, well, I have to ask you this. I don't think I've ever seen it put this way. What is the YouTube star of the moment and the YouTube star of the month?
2: <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody's been reading their the Wikipedia. Story, I have, but the, yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. I was actually uh, given that moniker. I think YouTube star of the moment came from the G4 network.
1: That's right. May
2: or may I may still be around. Maybe it was acquired by Twitch. Network, but um, uh, you know they. I guess they still do it, but they nominate, and I guess fans vote for, and eventually they they bestow YouTube Star of the Moment, which I think is a is a finite period of time, maybe three three months or so, or something like that. I and mean, then, of course, Star of the Month. But uh, years ago, I had a viral video company, and this is back in the days when uh, none of us knew, and I don't think we still really understand exactly how to monetize viral content. But back in the days before Google acquired YouTube, I had one of the top 100 channels on the YouTube platform. I said, uh, And I think this is how all great things get started. I said, you know, wouldn't it be funny if... Dot, 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 right? <laughs> That's what most great things happen. I said, you know what would be funny? And we were all commiserating, by the way, over... Uh, you know, we were in the zeitgeist of all things frozen. So I have three kids, ages 6, 8, and 10 right wow. now. and. couple couple years ago, we were in the middle of Frozen, of course. Every party we went to, every costume my kids wore had something to do with Frozen, and we were 40-year-old guys who knew every word of the song, and we would sing those songs out loud in the shower by ourselves, right? You know, there's
1: something inherently
2: weird about that. So, uh, you know, I said, you know what we should do is we should rewrite the words to one of the songs and sing it from a dad's perspective. So, exactly what happened, and again, it's just some funny guys that that I go to church with, and we did that, and we carved out one Saturday afternoon, and we shot this funny little video where we uh, we did that. We changed the words to one of the songs, and we sang it from a dad's perspective. And it's all about you know running, you know, having kids in the minivan, and never being able to watch the movie but only hear the movie because it's playing on the DVD player behind. You. And just the, the the random insanity that we go through as parents. And we re- we kind of sat on it for a couple of months and released it on Father's Day weekend again you know roman had you asked me i would have probably said i don't know if we get to 2500 hits that's a win you know we just kind of sent it out to some friends at church and some friends in our small group and said hey check this out kind of thing well cut to monday morning and three and a half million views later I and mean, then wow <laughs> it's just kind of a weird thing. so that's when that's when the, the dad dudes was born which is that's cool like, ryan o'quinn is so.
1: with us producer actor and. um that kind of leads me to uh, you developing Damascus Road Productions. Uh, what what was the thought in in doing that and, and the kind of things that you want to do?
2: Yeah, well, Damascus Road, and I, it's great that you mentioned the name. Somebody asked me that just the other day, and it, it gives me, among other things, an opportunity to talk about, you know, uh, sometimes briefly, what happened to Paul, to Paul on the road to Damascus, and that's exactly where the, where the, uh, the name comes from is you know, uh, Paul's life was radically changed when he, came, when he had an encounter with Jesus in a powerful way, and, and you know, 180 compared to his job, as it were, to, to killing Christian people in order to writing the majority of the New Testament, right? So Damascus Road Productions is the name of my production company, and, and our internal mandate is to to tell good stories, and that's exactly what we want to do. And it's not always uh, biblically driven or evangelical in nature. Sometimes they are. But for the most part, we just want to, to tell really good stories that have a positive moral message. And as I mentioned, I have three kids under 10 years old, and primarily I want to go to a, a movie theater or sit on the couch uh, and watch, right. watch one of our movies and not have to cover their eyes or ears nor explain anything away. And so that's, you know, in, in quick terms, Kind of a mandate of the company. I want my my kids. I want my grandmother to sit on one side of me and my six year old son on the other side of me, and for us to to laugh and and be able to, ha- to have a good takeaway at the end of the films that we produce.
1: Ryan O'Quinn with us, uh, actor producer, right here on Sold Out Sports Talk on Afr. And um, th- this brings me to something interesting. You know, you had a number one best selling book uh, about parenting. Uh, kind of from a humorous standpoint. Uh, our audience, obviously, American family, is very interested in the family, very interested in protecting the family. So uh, talk about uh, that best-selling book and about how that came about.
2: Yeah, thank you. The name of the book is Parenting Rules, the Hilarious Handbook for Surviving Parenthood. And uh, it really spawned out, of uh, right after the success of that viral video that we did, Dad was, Dad's Responded he was Frozen, I had the. This opportunity and, and you know that capitalizing on that 15 minutes as it were to, uh, to do, do do some other things, including a book. So a publishing company came to me. And by the way, I had been on the road for 10 years, from 2003 to 2013. I was on the road doing stand-up improv and sketch comedy, traveling to primarily large platform church events and and uh, music festivals and lots of summer camps. And so I was on the go nonstop. In fact, about 120 days a, 120 days a year. Uh, at its peak, and so with three kids under five, that was a that was a little crazy. So I, I pulled the plug on on traveling so much in 2013. But I, while I was on the road, I would always talk about my family, and my my up really just spawned out of uh, the cr- the crazy things that happen, you know, being a parent, especially a parent of small kids. And so when the publishing company asked if I had uh, a book, like any good actor. <laughs> slash liar. I said, sure. How many do you want? But but the, the book, Parenting and Rules, really came out of uh my stand up routine. So it's divided up into chapters that kind of chronologically go through, you know, the the day of birth, as it were, I think is part of chapter one, all the way up to, you know, in a the father of an eight or nine year old kid and in my case three kids that are all about eighteen months apart. And so it's just the insanity that happens in your household. Uh being a parent to the small kid, and for my kids I hate hearing the old adage, and I know you felt the same way. You know, when our our parents would say to us, "When I was your age," uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, it really is much different than it was. You know, for you and me growing up in the in the seventies and eighties, for example, uh, and think, and that's partly the reason why for all of the benefits of of technology and social media and all of the pluses that revolve around that, and I I firmly believe there are great, great results because of it. You really have to be judicious and, and discerning. For example, uh, my kids have iPads, and we use YouTube Kids, which is, a, you know, a, a proprietary YouTube software that, uh, that it just allows them to look at kids' videos and things like that. Now, granted, things will slip through the cracks, I'm sure, but we also limit screen time. Uh, there's several great products out there. For a short time, I was spokesperson for a, uh, a company called Hello Airtime, which was a Disney product. Which uh, and there's others like it that will allow parents to get a notification, for example, on your device when your kids are on a device, and it will give you, you know, a rundown of exactly what they're looking at in real time. And so you just have to, you know, in my own professional opinion, you just have to to stay on it and be judicious and be discerning and be willing to talk to your kids. That's one of the things that my wife and I pride ourselves on is whether it's after church or after a movie or after a, you know, a conversation with somebody else, a lot of times we, we take the opportunity to debrief that. And we're not great about it always, but there's real teaching moments. And sometimes we throw that word around, you know, kind of willy-nilly. But I feel like in nearly everything we do, especially as a family, there are teaching moments in 12 years because they're they're their own person and they're, they're making up their own mind, and it's made accountability there. You know, our job is not done for sure, but we, those formative years are vital, especially leading up to that 11-, 12-, 13-year-old race. And so that's when I personally made the decision to come off the road and plug in full-time with family and stay home as much as possible.
1: Ryan O'Quinn with us. And if you want more information about his production company, Damascus Road, just go to RyanOquinn.com. He's got a new movie coming out. Hopefully he'll come back with us to talk about Ticket to Nashville, which is a country music film that he's getting ready to shoot with our good friend Kevin Sizemore. So, Ryan, I, I hope that you'll come back and talk to us when you guys get going on that.
2: Uh, we would love to. Thank you so much, Roman. I appreciate the
1: Ryan O'Quinn, of course, if you want to be a team member of Sold Out Youth Ministries, our organization that helps kids stay away from drugs and alcohol and teaches them leadership skills, biblical principles, you can go to our official website at soldouttv.com. That's soldouttv.com. And uh, be a part of that. Donate there. When we come back, more on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio.
0: You're listening to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel Third. In this segment, Roman talks with U.S. Olympic skeleton racer Katie Ulander. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III.
1: Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. Roman Gabriel, excited to have you in. Faith, family, and sports. And Of course, if you want to be a team member of Sold Out Youth Ministries, our organization that helps kids stay away from drugs and alcohol and teaches them leadership skills, biblical principles, you can go to our official website at soldouttv.com. That's soldouttv.com, and uh, be a part of that. Donate there. It's always great to have new team members. Coming in with this two-time world champion skeleton driver and uh, getting ready for her fourth Olympics, in South Korea, Pyeongchang, with us today, uh, Katie Ulander. Katie, how are you? Great to have you back.
3: Great. How are you doing?
1: You're in Lake Placid. You're in New York. You're getting ready, right?
3: Yeah, I'm at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York, the site of the 1980 Games, and I am training. I'll, I, my only focus this time around is the Olympic Games. So I eat, sleep, train, and that's it. I'm going be the most boring athlete ever for the next <laughs> six months.
1: What color is your hair right now? It's red. Okay, so we're still red. Good. So you're sticking with that all the way?
3: Of course. It's my signature move at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's long, though. It's long. I have long hair, and I kind of, it's like an ombre style. So it goes from like dark red to bright, bright red.
1: Not only do you compete hard, but you got serious hair. That's what we all love about you.
3: Of course.
1: (laughs) Well, listen. There's no other way. I mean,. Let's just put it this way, Katie. I mean, if you were a doctor, you'd be coming on like year 50 of, of an Olympia. I mean, this is your fourth one. I mean, your, your, your birthday's coming up July 17th. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I mean, crazy. You. You're, you're, did you ever think in the world that you'd be in your 30s going after your fourth Olympics?
3: No, but I don't really think that. I Anytime I make plans, they never work out. So I think the best things in life come when you don't expect
1: them. Um, so the question you know, we were getting through last year was you getting healthy. So where are we at?
3: Well, I mean, I've won every title you can possibly win in this sport. I've got world champion, world cup champion, national champion, America's cup champion, ICC, you get the point. So my goal this time is that one title I don't have, and that's Olympic champion. And everything I've done has been geared towards this one race. When I stepped the line in Pyeongchang, in February, that I'm going to be 100% healthy for the first time in my career at the Olympic Games, and statistically speaking, I should be a medal contender. I am a medal contender because I've won all the things I could win, and this is the only race I haven't showed up healthy to yet. If I'm alive, I'm going to be the Olympic Games. So as long <laughs> as I got a pulse, I'll be there. But I'm not trying to just be there this time. I'm trying to win. you Everything- Uniter's with us. Yeah.
1: Uh, Team USA Skeleton sold out Sports Talk on American Family Radio you know, I've become a hardcore skeleton fan because of you, but for the fans that are listening, you know, that are just tuning in that don't know what skeleton is, Katie, why don't you fill them in?
3: Skeleton is the best thing ever, especially if you like sledding or like water slides, because you essentially take a cookie sheet size sled and you jump on it head first and it feels like you're flying. It's those thing it's a thing where you start to fear how fast you're going initially, and then you stop and you're like, "I have no brakes, so you embrace the fear and it becomes part of you and you end up craving more of it and going with gravity
1: so for those people that in their car go eighty miles an hour on the freeway four feet up encased silently smoothly with four wheels, you're like inches from you know the ice going eighty miles an hour with absolutely no brakes, right?
3: No brakes. I can't really see a lot. But you know what's weird is after doing it for 15 years, uh, I feel safer closer to the ground going that fast. <laughs> like, anytime I, uh, I, like, increase my height visibility, it feels really scary. So um, vehicles are similar, I would think, but I think the most close feeling I've had or similar feeling is uh, skydiving. The, oh, the only difference is there's more openness. So, like, when you're, when you're falling... It feels just like skeleton, except it's, like, more open. So in, with skeleton, you're, it's a tunnel. Like, you're in a little icy tube, uh, which, which is actually safer, believe it or not. Like, I think it's one of the safest sports I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Research recently has shown it takes two years to recover from surgery 100%. Not saying that you can't compete prior to that. Like, a year out usually is what they say. But what I've noticed, and I've had 12 surgeries, is that if i give myself that extra year i'm like for real back like better than i was before
1: god obviously blessed you with with athletic abilities of course your father we know minnesota twins and and uh, incredible baseball player and coach and taught you how to be a, an athlete and uh, but tell me just tell me from a perseverance standpoint all you've been through you get to that fourth one and you're at the top of the hill What's going to be going through your mind, and what are some of the things you've learned about yourself through this process?
3: Early on in my career, I had just made Junior World Championships, but I'd only been on a sled for three weeks, and I I didn't think I deserved to go. I was competing with an Olympic champion, America's Cup champion, all these champions, and I'd been on a sled three weeks. I was like, what am I doing here? And he said, let me tell you about the time that I was in Yankee Stadium for the first time. Mickey Mantle on the outfield, 60,000 fans, and I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. He said, I stepped out of the batter's box at least five times. And then I realized that no matter what, the legends before me had to take the same steps I'm taking into the batter's box. And once you're there, nobody cares how you got there. You have one job to hit the ball. He said, whether it took me two days or 10 years, he said, all of us have the same job in the batter's box. And it's simple. And when he told me that story, I was like, oh, I totally get it. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking, all these thoughts, negative, positive. Once I'm on the line and I'm there to compete, I have one job. And none of this other stuff changes that. Like, even all my preparation leading up to it, it doesn't matter because I have one job to do at that moment. And so when I get to Pyeongchang, you know, no matter all the the nonsense leading up to it, when I get to the line, I'm bringing everything I got.
1: Katie Ulander with us, Team USA, uh, going after her fourth Olympic appearance in the skeleton. I know you, I know, being a role model is important to you, so so tell me about just the satisfaction of that.
3: Well, I've, I had my hero. I was lucky enough to have my hero be my father, um, and then my best friend, Stephen Holcomb, uh, became Olympic champion. We started out winning together in 06. We called it the dream Dream season, 06-07. Uh, we won so many races that Uh, we didn't even have to compete by the end of the year to to take the overall title. Um, And they are two people that have pushed me the most and have constantly brought me back to ground zero and understanding that no matter what you accomplish or what your legacy is, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is the moment, like when you step into the batter's box and you're there to hit or you're there to do whatever job you have in front of you. And the thing that I try to remember is to be humble and, Open so that I can learn from those around me, I think that the best thing you can do uh, is be awesome to inspire others to do the same because that's what my father and my best friend did for me
1: and Katie, you know coming from a team sport you know football and and just being around a lot of team athletes, you know when you have a big disappointment or or when you work so hard over the summer and then in training camp and then you go through a sixteen week NFL season, you get to the playoffs and and you have a disappointment, and but you know you can get back to working out after about a month, and you only got eight months to wait to get back in uniform. How difficult is it to be an Olympic athlete like you and to know that it's every four years and, and to go through all the things you have to go through to get there for this honor?
3: Well, I don't know if you guys remember the name Dan Jansen. He's I He was a do. speed skater back in the day, and it took him four Olympics to win his gold. And I talked to him in Sochi after I lost by 400th of a second. And I was like, man, how did you do it? I said, because right now, losing by 400th of a second, I cannot imagine going another four years. And a 400th of a second, to put it in perspective, is faster than you can blink. And I just could not comprehend or fathom, like, I'm going to train so hard for the next four years to potentially have this happen again. And Dan looked at me, and he said, you can't think about it like that. Take it one day at a time and do what you need to do to get there, and don't worry about the rest. It will come.
1: So it's amazing how well your body has held up through all the the punishment and the injuries, and just your perseverance has been amazing.
3: Well, thank you. I I don't think I have a choice, though. I mean, if the option is quit or keep on, I'm going to keep on. My father told me. Once, and I took it as a challenge, he said, do it right or don't do it at all. And he knew quitting was an option, so I only had one choice, to keep getting up and try again until I got it right. So he wasn't expecting me to be perfect every time, but he did expect me to keep trying. And I think that's the key message here is that, you know, when you step into the batter's box, you're always going to be up against the odds. I mean, those guys hit one in three, three times that they're at bat, but they believe every time they step into the batter's box that they're going to get a hit. And I think that was his point um, in the story about him with Mickey Mantle on the outfield and 60,000 fans is he realized that he just had to believe he could do it and step in there and just go do it, keep it simple, but never give up and, and be open to learning and be humble. And those are the lessons I'm trying to take to heart. And I think now that I'm in my 30s, I'm blessed with the ability to actually come into maturity with those those lessons. I wouldn't have thought that I had I would have had twelve surgeries up to this point and still be an athlete.
1: Hey, I heard note. I heard you've been meeting some guys out in New York on the streets, just challenge them to race, though, right?
3: Okay, well, yes, but they were trying to flirt with me, and so my <laughs> response was, "Do you want to race?" <laughs> so they were all like doing the construction worker like cat call thing, and I was like, "You want to race?" And then so they, they, were, they "No uh, takers, huh?" Sorry, what did you say?
1: No takers, huh?
3: No, man, they just they just laughed. I was like, yeah, it's funny now, huh?
1: So what? So it was fun.
3: I, was, I even offered to give them a head start. They still said no.
1: What would it mean to you to, uh, to medal this time? What, what, what would it mean after all this?
3: Well, in Sochi, when I thought, I honestly thought that I had won um, because the girl was losing time and her run was so bad. I did not expect to lose by hundredths of a second. I I'd honestly tasted the medal as I was watching her come down and then in an instant it was taken away and prior to that happening i had everything that went through my mind was just gratitude i was so thankful for all the support and the fans i had and i really just couldn't believe it had happened and i just wanted to give them the thanks and in my mind it was america's medal it wasn't my medal so when i lost i felt same gratitude just sorry for not performing and not bringing that medal home because for an instant I thought I had brought it to all those people that had been there with me on that journey. Um, so th- that's this time. Like if I, if I win this time, it's not my medal. It'll be America's medal and all those people cool. that helped me get here and, and never stop believing.
0: You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website SoldOutTV.com and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.